Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, James Stellingpole is probably one of our best-known right-wing writers. In fact, it's fair to say he's one of that rather select group of writers who is known outside of the political bubble. Now, alongside his columns in The Spectator, in The Telegraph and The Mail, he's also written novels. He's written books telling us how to be right and how to annoy liberals. And for that matter, he doesn't usually mind getting naked for some of his particular <laughs> favourite causes, as he's done recently. Uh, he's also host of a very successful podcast called The Denning Pod, and he's with me today. It's very good to see you, James. It's, Peter, it's lovely to see you after all this time. I mean, you've been in politics and... That's right, doing all of that stuff. But we first met doing something called 18 Doughty Street, yeah. which was about 10, 12 years ago now, more than, uh, which was an attempt to do something like, in fact, we're hoping to do here, but you've come from uh, you've come from out of London today. Yeah, yeah, I've come from the sticks. You can see I'm wearing my cunt. This is actually my my hacking jacket, which I used to wear for cubbing for you know um, before the fox hunting season, yeah. um, until I got banned by my entire bloody family from fox hunting because I had a really bad accident. I got bust up so badly, and then I had a pulmonary embolism, and so. The, the one reason, the best reason for being in the country has now been denied me. But didn't you do a programme on telly about, was it either hunting I, or...? No, I, it was about the, it was a, a celebration of the upper classes. Right. I did, I went fox hunting, I did the Cresta run, and I, I went round a racing circuit with Lord Brockett in a Ferrari. <laughs> so when you went to the country, it yeah. wasn't sort of like... I've had enough of London or anything, was it? No, I, I, I'm, I'm with Dr. Johnson on that one. I, 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 I miss London greatly. Um, no, I, I had a, a kind of medical emergency brought on by my Lyme disease, which is right. nothing I've written about. Yeah. And I think you know, I, I flipped and I had to, I had to flee. That's why. That's why. That's the real reason I left. What's the situation with that now? Is that something oh, that goes, goes no, on? It's so interesting. Um, it's so interesting that I could bore on this for the entire program, oh. and I won't do. But I reckon, I reckon that that I am going to be able to cure it, which is, I mean, cure myself, yeah. which is quite interesting because. I've spoken to loads and loads of mega rich people. The guy who founded Carfin, uh, not Carfin Warehouse, John Caldwell, he, he's, he's um, a, 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 a mobile phone billionaire and lots of his members of his family have got it. Even really rich people cannot cure this disease, but I think yeah. I'm, my, my journalistic research yeah. has led me to what might be the cure. Really? Yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. Because you sort of, uh, this was something that you had was going on that you didn't really know you had, isn't that no, right? Yeah, yeah. And lots of people don't know they, they've got it, and, and, and they just feel like they're hypochondriacs because they're always going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it seems that one of the things about your writing, and this goes back for as long as I can remember, yeah. is you are bracingly honest about things like this. You're very upfront. Totally. You know? it's, it, 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 you've nailed my shtick, if you, if you can nail a shtick. It's, I do, I do confessional. I think my best journalism is the confessional, and I think probably my best, for, best form is the thousand-word article for yeah. The Spectator. It's just long enough to be able yeah. to develop your thoughts, but not so long that you start to waffle. Yeah. So, uh, but with the confessional, I mean, I've, I've, for example, noticed you've written about status anxiety. Yeah. You know, you've written about. You often refer to your friends, and you often refer to your rich friends in this and that and the other, uh, and and you, you often compare, like we all do, how we're doing in life and all the rest yeah. of it with them. It, it can be it can be rough, both for my friends and for members of my family, because I'm as 
well, not quite as honest about them as I am about myself. I mean, I'm really, really rough with myself. But I do bring up my family sometimes, and I do bring in my friends. Poor old Gove, for example, Michael Gove, who's a very, very good friend of mine, and I will always love him, regardless of the fact that I think he's an appalling cuck. I mean, I, th I think he's completely sold out the Conservative cause. Maybe he's got a game plan. Uh, but, but regardless of that, I will always love him. But, but I, I, I reserve the right to criticise him uh, acidly in print, which I do, and, and sometimes that, that can, you know, ruffle the feathers of friendship slightly. But the thing is, is that I don't mean to, you know, just blow smoke up your arse or anything, oh, but, do. But, the thing, but the thing is, you are therefore remarkably unvain, as if there is such a word. I mean, look, rioters, politicians, a lot, they, they are always thinking how they are looking in a certain thing, or in a certain when I was. I was born with, with a, a weird defect, probably, probably lots of weird defects. One of them is, I was always convinced that if I was lying, people could see into my head and know I was lying. Okay, and right. so therefore, right. I've always found it so much easier to, I mean, probably, look, if I, have, if I have an affair, I probably won't be blurting it out in, in, in you know, I mean, it, say Scarlett Johansson yeah. decides that she wants to shag me, which she, which she well might, I don't know, I mean, you know, she might, might be attracted by my mind. Um, I'm not going to tell the wife and I'm not going to reveal it in print, but, but generally, yeah, my policy is tell the truth. It's about, it's about brand integrity. And you look, at the, you look at the best politicians in the world right now. They're the ones, people are always accusing Trump of being a, a liar. Actually, I think he's pretty, he tells it like it is yeah, pretty often. Yeah, look at yeah. Boris Johnson, look at my hero, the Jacob. The Jacob Rees Mogg doesn't doesn't wriggle. No, he no, tells no, it like no, it is. No. I think it's interesting because we've got used to that situation now. Because even Thatcher, you know, even her, the, the, you know, the enemies that hated her, mm. viscerally hated her, never could actually say she was a dissembler, could they? They could never. You say she look was at some of her her interviews on YouTube, and it's almost like watching porn if you're a right wing person. You just think. <laughs> Oh my God, she really was as good as I remember. In fact, she was better. She really was better. When she gets, when she gets a lefty interviewer trying to, trying to kind of trap her on the, the uncaringness of conservatism, she's, she's got an answer. She believes in conservatism. Yeah, but it also does, really, when you do see those clips, and I, I think I know exactly the clip you're talking about now, actually, mm. is that you look at it and you think, oh dear, we've fallen a long way. Which we have. You know. Of course, every society, every civilization be imagines that the time in the distant past is a sort of golden age which, we're, uh, which we've, we've long lost. Everyone thinks that, but I, but I really do think that we're, we're definitely not in a golden age now. You know, we're talking about your, your, you talked about your friends and, uh, and, and what they're doing and you know, how much money they're making and all the rest of it. Yeah. You were famously at, uh, at university with Cameron. Yeah. Uh, he went on to be Prime Minister, but you must, do you not get a flicker of thinking, well actually, he's a footnote and I'm still here. Um, do you ever think that? Do you, do, you, do you know what, that's really sweet of you to put that thought in my head, it hadn't occurred to me before. I, I think of Cameron in terms of tremendous, in fact, not just Cameron, my whole Oxford generation. I look at them with tremendous disappointment. When I was there, I was thinking, We've made it. We are the future. We are going to make the world a better place because we're clever, we're likeable, and we're sound. Yeah, yeah. And what I've discovered in the, in the decades since is that none of my Oxford contemporaries 
was sound, or very, very few of them, I mean, I'd probably count them on the fingers of one hand, that they all, either, either they were dissembling at the time or, or they were just sort of unformed in preparation to becoming these, these sort of uh, globalist social democrat figures, believer in the kind of liberal elite values, etc., you know, Davos man. Uh, well, I'm not sure whether, whether they thought that at the time, but that, that's certainly what they became. And my, as I've, as I've got older, I, part of me has, has stayed a, a child. I mean, I'm still very irresponsible, very, very naughty, unhouse trained, which is why I'm really unsuited for any other job than, than being a, a gadfly ship poster, basically, is what I do. Um, sometimes I ship post elegantly, sometimes I just do it on, on, on Twitter. But, so that part of me stayed young, but, but the, the, the wise part of me has realized just how sad it is that how few moral principles people actually have, how little ideological back backbone. People tend to trim their sails according to the reigning hegemony. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't stick up for their principles. They, people go for the money and the status rather than the integrity. Yeah. And I feel like Cato in this regard. Yeah. You know, Cato I gather from reading my Robert Harris novels, yeah. you know, he was just disgusted at, at the way that Rome was declining and wasn't going to compromise. And that's, that's where I am. I just won't compromise with these bastards. Do you, I mean, you've been a journalist all your life, haven't yeah. you, since the universe. So you're talking like 20, 30 years now. It was right? so much better, Peter. I know, but this is what I, what, starting out, if you've pretty much held the same sort of views, you pretty much held your principles, you say. Yeah. What was it like starting out compared to now, being, if you like, a right-wing journalist? It's, well, it's quite interesting, actually. I think if you go back to the early stages of my career, I was not vociferously political. I, I used to do a lot of kind of interviews with movie stars, with rock stars. Mm -hmm. I, I was a rock critic. I did... For Spectator, weren't you? For music no, for the for Sunday the Telegraph. Um, and I don't think I could have hung out with all those movie stars and rock stars holding the out political views that I do now. I remember going to interview Julian Cope yeah. when I had long hair, had shoulder length hair. God, I missed that. Um, and Julian Cope, Julian Cope thought I was one of, one of him. He thought I, he called me a long hair. Right. And, and so I don't think back in the day that I was, I, I, I came out, I think, with that book, How to Be Right, yeah. when I think all the frustration of the way that the world was going started bubbling up until I could contain it no longer and I had to do a, a book about it. I can't remember, was it 2007 or something? I think, I think it was, I remember it coming out, I remember coming to the launch, actually. So it's only, it's only really yeah. about 12 years ago that I've really been aggressively out as a conservatarian, I don't call myself a libertarian, because libertarians are too, um, I don't mind being a libertarian the adjective, but I think libertarian the noun, they're a bit weird. Ah, oh, would, okay, you weren't personally, you know, particularly political, at least you were hiding, hiding it. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I, I should have answered the question you were, you were leading towards, I know what you, what you want to know, is definitely things have got so much harder yeah, yeah. To, for people of my political persuasion to... Now, in the last five years, I've been called, I get called a, uh, an extremist, a Nazi, far right, etc. 
These are words that were never ever used against me before. Now my political position has not changed oh, yeah, yeah. one iota. And yet here I am being accused of being the far right. Yeah. Well the far right are kind of black shirts, I yes, suppose. I mean, exactly, the, the, there's yeah. the argument that Hitler was really a, a socialist, which I believe, actually. You know, he, he was on the left, far left rather than the right. You know, the, the difference between the, the communists and the Nazis was a cigarette paper's yes, difference, which yeah, is why yeah, the, yeah. the Nazi flag has the red of communism on it. But that's, that's by the way. By, I'm not an extremist. I believe in limited government, low taxes. I believe in, in Brexit. I, I'm not racist, I'm not, I'm sexist up to a point, I mean I think feminism's <laughs> gone way too far, but yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not an extremist. But you see, interestingly, all of those, the points you made there, they were broadly speaking economic ones, right? So in the 1980s when you started, yeah. all the battles were economic, weren't they? But it seems to me that now all the dominant uh, issues are cultural ones, aren't they? Isn't this what's, and this is far more uh, insidious, isn't it? And, and dangerous, and you're right. Because the left lost the economic argument with yeah. the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. So they had to, on, on Gramscian principles, they had to um, conduct their long march through the institutions. And that involved a small cabal of social justice warriors, that, that's the current term, I mean cultural Marxists, whatever you want to call them. Uh, every institution, from the army to the Royal Shakespeare Company, obviously the BBC, has been captured by the left. Even charities now? Yeah. Well, I think, you say even charities, I think charities are one of the first to go, yeah. yeah okay. Okay. So that, that basically, do you, it's interesting, we're doing work at uh, the New Culture Forum at the moment on this very thing of the Long March. Do you think, I mean, when people talk about the Long March, it either sounds weirdly conspiratorial or did it actually, was it, as it were, something that was prepared and organised? How do you see it? It's I mean, a bit like saying, well, of course, Hitler didn't, when he wrote Mein Kampf, he didn't mean any of that stuff about the Slavic intervention and about yeah, the, yeah, yeah. well, duh, yeah, what yeah, happened yeah, afterwards, yeah. after he wrote that book? In the yeah. same way, those, the, the Gramsci, uh, uh, all, all the cultural Marxists, Adorno, um, they weren't, they weren't joshing when they talked about their plan to, to, up, overturn Western civilization yeah. by attacking marriage and uh, um, promoting homosexuality and yeah. um, etc. They were for real and lo, what they predicted has actually happened. Well, it's sort of hollowing out, out the culture from the inside, isn't it, essentially? That's, that's the whole point of the Gramscian thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's to sort of hollow it out to, 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 so that there's no confidence left in it uh, at all. My sense really is, is that things have become more leftward, as you say, and you're called these particular things that you, you wouldn't have been called before. Has it gone one step further with you, James, in the sense that, are you censored? I mean, are you in any way, have you had any of those attacks that people have had, you know, where essentially, you know, they try to take you off social media or any of this stuff? Have you ever had anything like that? I, I just feel that, that the day is coming when I will be taken yeah. off, off yeah. Twitter, um, denied space on Facebook, even have my bank account stopped by, my banking arrangement stopped by PayPal, by, yeah. by I, don't, I don't know, you, you see it happening, is yeah. it, they're falling like dominoes. Yeah. And I think it's, I do worry about the power of Silicon Valley, 
yeah. and this alliance. It, it, it seems to me that that um, the liberal elite, for want of a better phrase, the globalists, the Davos man, the, that 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 sort of the the political entity that's that's dominated our culture for the last since the war really is on its last legs i think we're in the time we're in revolutionary times and what happens with with decaying regimes do they do they willingly surrender their power no they don't they start you look at the second world war when did the when did the nastiest and the most killing happen it happened sort of after 1944 basically when 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 germany was was losing and decided that they wanted their got a demerung yeah. in in the same way look at brexit now yeah, exactly. the liberal left establishment which is remain basically once it's got a demerung they don't want to go down without a fight they will not surrender their power meekly or, or gracefully but you see not only do they not want to surrender it seems to me they've all doubled down i mean you know well, we've, seen it, yeah, we've seen this with the bbc and everything i was wondering therefore if you take the broad cultural uh, landscape Take a book like How to Be Right. Yeah. Would you get a publisher for that these days? I don't... Look, it's an interesting question. And my gut instinct would be no, no one would publish it. Right. Because after all, you've got publishers now which, which are deciding who they published on the basis of their race or their gender rather than on the pure quality of the work, which, which is, yeah, yeah. there's an example of the capture of an institution by the cultural Marxist left. At the same time, you've got the Douglas Murray factor. Yeah. If, if there's one, one of the reasons I love markets and believe in markets and believe in, in capitalism in, in its purest form is that it seems to be able to trump social justice and I, i'll give you a, a, another example netflix yeah. is killing is killing the bbc the bbc wants to make woke 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 um dramas where you've got javert played by a by, by a black guy which which i'm sure that was mm. never intended when the book was written and is rather distracting in a series set in 1830s France, because yeah, there yeah. weren't really met that many black police inspectors around then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Netflix is killing that because they're just giving the people, they're not going for this cultural Marxist stuff. In the same way, what we're talking about, what was the, before we, I, 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 I sidetracked onto Netflix. Oh, well, well, basically about how to be right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, uh, I know what it was. The Douglas Murray factor. Well, what yes, they, this is the point we should explain. This is Douglas's book, uh, Strange Death of Europe. Yeah. Right, you're that it is sold so well that the publish, publishing industry has been forced to go, well, on the one hand, we want to be a bastion of woke. On the other hand, we kind of like jobs and we kind of like to sell books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what do we do? And I think there is this, there are elements within the publishing, publishing industry which might go, ooh, Douglas Murray sells, maybe, maybe Dellingpole would sell another Yes. right-wing evil yeah. book yeah i think it's uh, i remember melanie phillips saying that you know she had a, a book that was by anyone's standards a, a hit called londonistan this is like years yes. ago but she had to go to america to get it published and it did well there yeah and then finally she managed to get a publisher here i mean i think that the point really is is that the whole all of our cultural institutions commercial or otherwise appear now to be enthralled to a kind of liberal outlook there's no no, no yeah. getting away from it i think yeah. um you particularly 
have been sometimes what it appears to be a singular voice on the whole climate change thing. Right? This is a, for years, right? You have written about this. You did a book called Watermelons. Yeah. Explain that title, actually. It's Watermelons, green on the outside, red on the inside. Yeah. I, I, in the first chapters, I dealt with with the science, but it mm. seems to me that the science is an elephant trap designed to get people bogged down in arguments about um, forcings versus feedbacks and, and the, you know and, and looking at the ice core samples and you get bogged down and, and no, only a few specialists really can talk about this intelligently and and and, and so you start people playing the expert game and 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 yeah you lose much more interesting i think is um if the whole climate scare is a hoax i think that's maybe the wrong word but if it's if it's based on false science and hysteria what is the motivation for all the people who've jumped on this bandwagon how come how come so many politicians how come so many scientists and scientific institutions um how come so many people believe in this thing if it's a lie or if it's a, an, a massive exaggeration and so i looked back at the history of how the, the whole climate change scare came about and the the intellectual currents which led to climate change as a scare and what you realize is that it's just another branch of the culture wars mm -hmm. it's 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 the authoritarian element within our culture which would would prefer it if unelected technocrats mm -hmm. could make these rules which benefit corporatists rent seekers mm -hmm. which benefit the scientists who are who are recipients of massive amounts of of funding to research this essentially non-existent problem the the green ngos friends of the earth greenpeace benefit from the hysteria so there's this this sort of concatenation of interests where everyone benefits from promoting this scare story finance mm. you you think about about the you can make you can make more from from wind turbines than you can on the stock market don't you get something like nine percent guaranteed but this is only guaranteed because governments are stupid enough to subsidize this potemkin industry yes it, it seems to me that the whole thing as well was a bit of an attack on the west actually i mean it was an attack on capitalism in america wasn't it really i mean that's obviously come unstuck now in a well, big what's way. the what's the basis of of any economy it's it's energy yeah. without energy you can't you can't build you can't build land rovers you can't you can't you can't uh, power the machines in hospitals you can't you can't print books you can't do anything mm -hmm. so energy if you attack energy you are you question energy you are questioning the whole basis of western industrial civilization and of course the greenies would have you believe that that's a good thing mm -hmm. that actually economic growth is bad oh, yes. in itself yeah, 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 yeah. which is which is of course the opposite of true because actually economic growth is what enables economies to be clean mm. and eco-friendly you look at look at what happened in the mid 19th century with the river thames the thames was known as the great stink there were bodies floating by people people getting off at waterloo station would vomit in the summer at the smell of the uh, of the open sewer that was the thames 
Then they built the embankment. Why did they build the embankment? Because it, why, did, why could they afford Bazalgette and so on? It's because the economy was booming. It was a free market. Taxes were really low. I think at the peak of the, uh, of the Victorian age, taxes were running about 10%. And we did pretty well out of it. We ruled half the world, and a lot of people got very, very rich, and, and, and a lot of poorer people got less poor. If you're if you are taking on, as you have done, not just in your book, but continuously, journalistically, if you've taken on these huge lobbies, and, and indeed yeah. the kind of Davos man or whatever, his attitude, yeah. her, their attitude to this. I just wondered, just as a journalist, I mean, how, when you are attacked, which you are, yeah. How, how do you actually ha handle it? I mean, it's an honest question. I mean, it, it, to, to actually have it coming from all angles, basically trying to discredit what you're saying, to, yeah. how do you personally get... Um, I think you've got, to, you've got to pretend it's not... that the person they're attacking isn't you. So there's this... How does that work? Well, then? I don't know. I mean, otherwise you'd kill yourself, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. You really would. Look, for example, my most recent um, horror experience with Andrew Neil when I was oh, on, right. on the Daily Politics yeah. show. Uh, and, you, you we've know, all been there. Yeah, 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 we've all been there. And Andrew, Andrew Neil, as we know, is a particularly rigorous questioner. He's got his researchers sort of whispering clever things in his ear, and he, and he, and he does his homework work as well. He's very rigorous. He's, and he, there was a question about WTO rules, which I hadn't a bloody clue about. I mean, way, way above my... He, he, maybe ask, maybe ask a, an economist about the, not, not James Daly Potter. I was, I was the gadfly who'd, who'd spent that afternoon dressing up as a zombie to say, you know, we want no deal Brexit because this will be good. I wasn't very good on the detail. Anyway, um, I think people on my side of the argument just sort of felt a bit sad that I, that, that, that I hadn't really stuck it to Neil and, and stuck it to all the Remainers. But the other side, the, I got so much hatred on social media yeah, and stuff, and yeah. it was like I was the most disgusting person in the world because I'd failed to answer a question. Well, that I'd said, I don't know the answer to that, which, which they thought was just... I mean, how could you be more of a leper than that, not, not knowing the answer to a question? So that was the response. And you go through the first, the first 24 hours, you're like, uh, it wasn't as bad as, as, as I imagine it was. And the second 24 hours, actually, it really was as bad as I imagine. I'm, 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 this, is, this is horrible. And then time just... Heal slowly. You'll still get sort of tosses. People forget. Yeah, you'll still get the old tosser who, who late to the party wants to needle you with it. But most people, they don't remember. It's and most people didn't watch, of course. But the thing is, that was just something where there was a mistake, right? If you yeah. like, there was a, 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 a strategic thing. I'm talking about where you take an unpopular position, apparently unpopular, like with climate change, whatever, and you stick to it. Oh, Peter, the, 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 look, the modern left. I think is as nasty as the Jacobins in revolutionary France. I think it's as nasty as the communists and the fascists in, in 1930s Europe. I think this is where we're going at the moment. We're, we're living in very, very unpleasant times for truth tellers. Because look, the divide is this. We, we conservatives are about the truth. We're about empiricism. We're about honesty. The left is not about. It's about. It's 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 post-truth. It's about the narrative. It's the means justify the the yeah, ends justify yeah, the means yeah. rather. That it, it doesn't matter what they do. So they will lie 
quite naturally and unapologetically. Mm. That's what we're up against. Exactly, in, in the service of a greater truth. And, all of and that. they promote violence, yeah, yeah, yeah. which we on the right don't. I mean, the, the idea of, 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 of kind of conservatives being these authoritarian bullies, that belongs to an age which is, which is long since past. James, finally, I mean, are you, compared to Mike, when you first became a journalist, when you first started working, are no. you more pessimistic or more optimistic about where we're going culturally? I mean, I know that's a massive question, but what, what's, your, what's your gut? Okay, well, you know, I'm really stupid. I'm, even though I'm, I like to, to whinge about stuff and, uh, and that's good for my career, actually, I'm sort of optimistic just because I kind of believe in, in humans and I believe in ideas and I believe that right will prevail, but I haven't got any evidence for this. I, um, I mean, I look at my kids' generation and I think, oh my God, would I be wanting to be in this world where you can't, you can't have sex without signing forms in triplicate about, whether, about consent and where the, uni the university experience, when I was in Oxford, no, okay, there were political societies, but nobody was really political in the way they are now. There, there was no, none of that social justice nonsense. Mm. I, I, I actually can't bear to go back to Oxford and Cambridge now. I just think they are over. But then you see, probably people looked at universities and felt that way in 1968. I think we had our Hollywood ending there when you said uh, they're actually basically quite optimistic about things. I think we've got to wrap it up there, yeah, actually, James, because we have to, have to do that. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, great um, interview. Yeah, and, and look, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, so what you're saying is, I think there's a little logo appearing here above my head. Do subscribe, won't you, please, and see you next time. Thank you very much. Thanks, James.